1: Welcome into 11 personnel. Happy to be here on, what is it, Wednesday? We're in 2023. Damn, Luckett, how long have we been doing this thing now? For a while. Yeah. Good, long, hot minute. Uh, It's been a pleasure. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. New year, new us, new podcast. Uh, We haven't gotten to the KSR football podcast yet. We'll do another one of those, maybe after the national championship. We'll see how we're feeling. Um, I am feeling like hell. Uh, shout out to a good old fashioned uh, Nashville. It's not even like the Nashville sickness. Like it, I, I, I've been hacking along the way forever, but we're powering through. We're drugged up because there's been some stuff that has happened since the Music City Bowl that we got to get to, and we should probably talk about the Music City Bowl one more time. Although, like it, I never want to talk or think about that Music City Bowl ever again.
0: Well, good thing. Now is they can't go back to the music city bowl for like three or so years. So. Well, I, I don't think here. they
1: could play Iowa again, but well, you know, it happened.
0: Yeah. We've, I don't really want to parse through my, I gave all my thoughts on that. Like right when the bowl game was announced, uh, not to toot my own horn. I said it was a huge mistake. They shouldn't be doing this. It makes no sense. And I think that, I think that all played out. Like, um, that was the I just I just don't know. I guess if the game goes another way, like you're, you could see Kentucky hanging there, but but that was just a dreadful kind of game and performance and all of that. It just it was just hard. it was a hard to watch. Well, and, and more and it, and it like, was even
1: worse for me, like because I felt like we knew what was going to happen. Like it wasn't it was it was the bad uh, high school play that you just you know what's going to happen, but you just kind of show up anyway, just. To, to be nice, but like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't, it wasn't an enjoyable experience. It was the worst exp- bowl experience of the Mark Stoops era.
0: Yeah. And I think it was overall, it was just, this was very much a hard season to watch, right? Like uh, a lot of disappointment, a lot of frustration, a lot of, why are they doing this? Why, why isn't mm-hmm. this working? And it was just kind of, the season was a slog and it ended with the ultimate slog of a bowl game. It's just it's just really frustrating. Like, you you know, you look back at the year and the offense just really let the team down. Um, there were special teams issues, obviously, but, like, if the offense is just a little bit better, those don't keep Kentucky from winning games. Uh-huh. I, I think that was really my biggest issue was just how – why was the offense this bad? You know, they got to fix it. And then just the whole year, I think, you know, they were – like, Go back where we were this time last year. You know, they signed that really good recruiting class. The, the vibes were great. The vibes were strong, Nick. Like, going into the draft, then we get all this Will Levis buzz, and that drives us through the off season. But then you get in the summer, and, like, recruiting goes really slow. And then that just kind of, to me, that kind of parlayed into the season. The season was just like, oh, well, we'll get the offense fixed, you know, like, you know. It'll, it'll look get good. there eventually. It doesn't look great right now. Um, Oh, you all came in the spring? It doesn't look great. It's pro offense, but just give it time. Oh, you, you all here for practice in the for summer camp? Oh, yeah, we're just working through some things. Just, There's just
1: some injuries. They'll be fine.
0: And it just never got, it. you know, it never got any better. It was just like all the problems in April were the same problems. And then, like, you add in, like, the recruiting stuff. Uh, like on paper, the class, you know, it goes with like their historical norms. This, this 2023 recruiting class, but there's a, I think there's big reasons to be maybe a little bit worried. Like you had a lot of momentum here, and you didn't really cash in on it. You got a tough ass schedule coming up in
1: 2023. Well, and and I would also say too that like even though you get the historical average, you needed a lineman. Right. Like you, and you didn't really get any. Right. You, you got, got Kobe Keenum <laughs> is like maybe your one bankable trench player that you feel like is going to be yeah. a contributor. I mean,
0: like, yeah, Malachi Wood, a tackle, It's the only real tackle you got. That, that kid is like a, that's uh, more of a, he's very much a stash player, right? You're banking on him developing in your system. Uh, but there's a lot that I would probably have to bounce right for you there, you know? Yeah, you didn't get any tackles. Now yeah, you look at the defensive line; they only signed one player on the defensive line. Nick, Tavian Getson. and you know that that room has got guys in it, and we'll talk about that room here in a little bit. But um, you know, the it could be a sign that their line of scrimmage recruiting is kind of getting in trouble. You know, you got to worry about that moving forward. So there is just like. I, this is like a huge season, one way or the other, um, and we've we've seen kind of the noise with the NIL stuff and getting that fixed. It seems like they have gotten some of that fixed, and they did a good job in the portal here. But they've got to get this stuff corrected, especially on offense. They got to be able to score points, man. they just if they don't, like the season could really get ugly next year because you're playing a tough ass schedule. And yeah. So and- like the the the. You look back now, that schedule really, it really played out like we thought it would. Like, Georgia was the one big juggernaut, but Ole Miss totally tanked mm-hmm. it to end the season. They just did it a little bit later than I thought. Uh, Mississippi State was good, which we thought, but Kentucky got them in a good spot. Missouri was 500-team. Vanderbilt was improved, but still was a team you should beat. South Carolina was just kind of a... You know, they finished 8-5. and five. That was a game at home. You should have won. Like, there was a lot of things, I think, going. You got a down Florida team on the road early. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of You had a big games. spot
1: for Tennessee. I mean, that would have been tough, but you yeah. had a big spot there.
0: But you uh, had uh, – everything was there to really go 9-3 or 10-2 and two again, and they just didn't. And that's really, I think, the, the, fr- the most frustrating part about this year was it was all there, and they just couldn't grab it. And –
1: not to get too ahead of ourselves, because we might as well. Like, I don't want to talk about that Music City ball. It sucked. It was it was not fun to watch. Yeah, I mean,
0: like, it just is what it is it, it, what it it was everything yeah. we said it would be. <laughs> yeah, it
1: you was know, just, it, it was lived a song. up
0: it lived up to its reputation. Um, one team got a, a lead, then they got a turnover, and the game was over. Yeah, like, literally, because neither of those offenses were scoring probably fourteen points. It would have took them thirty possessions probably to get fourteen it, points on one of those two defenses.
1: I was defense ranked first in SP Plus, and Kentucky's ranked third. In the final rankings, like that,
0: you had two really good defenses against two bad offenses, and Kentucky's offense had a kid making his first career start against Iowa against Rich. that defense, which is just that was just a really hard ask at Destin Wade.
1: I will say this about Destin Wade before we get to kind of big picture offseason storylines and then the Justin Rogers news. Um, Destin Wade, I was actually pleasantly surprised by because. You said his stats in our Music City Bowl preview, and he had twice as many rushing yards as he did passing yards in high school. It was in high school, and when he went in there, he he did not look like they 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 didn't like use him like Lynn Bowden, and I thought that's what we might have to see with some sort of Lynn Bowden esque triple option looking stuff. But like, no, they let he him play in, quarterback, yeah, yeah, like they they let him play quarterback, and I thought he didn't do a very bad job. Like he obviously made those mistakes. One of them was an execution error. On a throw, and the other one was a uh, bad decision. Like, he, he just, they, 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 it was very anti stoops to call for a pass on third and long, back up in your own end zone with a minute or two to go. So, like, you know, that, 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 all, in all, they asked him to do everything against a defense that allows nobody to do anything, and he did okay. He did okay. He got himself out of trouble. And so, I'm not, um, I don't have an answer. Like, I, I would have liked to have known, can he be a backup quarterback one way or the other coming on this game? I, I still don't know the answer to that. But I actually am more optimistic about him as a passer than I was previously. We're going into the season, I was like, well, he's going to be a great h or You know what I mean? Like, I was already slotting him into not being a quarterback. But, like, his composure back there and his arm. Like, I mean, overthrowing Barry on Brown – is not an easy thing to do like it. He did it a couple of times. So I, I actually thought that uh, with all the circumstances, like I can at least tip my virtual cap to Destin Wade and uh, at least want to see more, you know, especially in the, in that spring game.
0: My parting thoughts were, I like, I could picture him playing, winning football as a quarterback for a Power 5 team. I just don't know if it's going to be in the type of offense that Kentucky runs right now. Like I could see him being in maybe a run heavy that involves quarterback run offense, and then they use just play action to take vertical shots right so like a run heavy like an Eddie Grant offense almost if, if that worked out like or like they were like a Kyle Shanahan offense <laughs> but I was like like you like Kansas State is one I think of if anybody's watched Kansas State this year, very run heavy and then their 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 play their pass game is very play action deep shot driven. And that's kind of a scheme I could see Destin Way succeeding in. Um, but I don't know if it's got necessarily like any type of pro-style attack, which is what I think Kentucky's going to run here with Cohen. I just don't know. I, it's hard for me, I guess, see, to see that right now after one game. But it's a small sample size. Um, right. Maybe
1: but, you in a pinch, though, you kind of adjust some things. Yeah.
0: Um, he's got a big arm. You know, he's a big body. He can move around a little bit. So there, there's, there's tools there, but I think they're – like, the, the first, first interception, that's the big worry for him, just kind of the accuracy. Intermediate short game to intermediate accuracy. Like, he just totally overshoots mm-hmm. Dan Key. Throws it above oh, and crossing. behind him, and it just right to the safety. They're zone coverage. You're just waiting for it. That's the kind of stuff you can't have. That ball's got to be – really, it's got to be on the money, nine times out of ten. And if you miss, it's got to be a low miss. You can't miss high against zone coverage.
1: So, the, the points you made, though, about the offense um, – Kentucky was able to kind of uh, – it's not necessarily what they did in, under Liam Cohen with Will Levis, but it was very much a let's give Chris Rodriguez the rock, and then we'll, we'll, we'll take some deep shots. They end up not taking as many, but then we're going to force feed Wondell Robinson as part of our passing game. I think the biggest storyline this offseason is the the questions about Liam Cohen. Uh, it's Wednesday. We're probably going to get official word, what, Monday or Tuesday of next week, I would imagine, like it with the press. Yeah, article. I would imagine
0: the ninth the or the 10th, we will have yeah. something.
1: So, really, the biggest overall question is, like, I mean, the Rams stunk this year. You can blame it on injuries, but, like, how much of Kentucky's success with Cohen – to climb as high as they did. And I forget their SP-plus finish. Was it 25th on offense? Yeah, they're right was, there at 25, I think. Yeah, some, somewhere, somewhere in there. that ballpark. Which, by the way, uh, th- third-ranked uh, defense, 97th-ranked offense uh, in SP-plus. Best defense in the SEC, worst
0: offense. They were 21st last year in SP-plus offense.
1: Yeah. They never had a top-50 SP-plus offense, and Liam Cohen had a top-25 one. How much of it was predicated, though, on two of the best – you know the the single season receiving record holder and the third best rusher of all time. Like and was that, on the
0: offensive line too. That's
1: true. Yeah, you had you had all American uh, offensive tackle and Darian Kennard, and you you got a all rookie guy and Luke Fortner there at center. So how how much of it was just predicated on those two or three guys doing everything for you? And can that how well does that how well does it work without them? You know, like that. I feel like those are the the fair questions that we, frankly, probably won't have, know the answer to until about
0: week five because they don't play anybody to start the season next year either. Yeah, it's also I think probably a good thing that they get this runway to figure mm-hmm. some stuff out with all those question marks. But I do think you got to like the offense this year had a in a, a first round draft pick at quarterback and couldn't figure it out. So like you gotta play to your strengths, and I think Cohen pr- has proven in his one year he was able to do that. And so I think you have, from what we've seen, he he was able to figure it out and do what it takes to make this team successful. And he showed I think the ability to adjust, right? You know whether it was leaning into player strengths, it was riding Wandell, feeding, getting him touches. It was riding Chris, getting run game. It was Growing with Levis, who was going through growing pains as a first year starter. Um, and they closed the season strong, Nick. Like, they what they scored like, at, I think they scored 35 plus every game and then put 20 on a top five Iowa defense in the bowl game. So they, they were at their best at the end of the year, which is all what, you know, where you always want to be.
1: I would, the only, uh, the only thing that what didn't get better was their explosive passing game, though. They're like, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the shots downfield didn't But even go away. like,
0: Josh Ali had a really good year, right? And he missed three or four games. If he doesn't miss those games, he probably goes for 700 yards receiving. And then we're having, you know, then you're just thinking about it a little different. Well, he had two guys.
1: Right, right. You true. know?
0: And then you throw in all the tight end receptions they have. I believe they had like 35, 40 tight end receptions. Like the the They very much force-fed Wandale, but some of that was by – forced there in the middle of the schedule because they didn't have their number two, their only other proven receiver. Like they had to force feed him in the passing game. They didn't have any other mm-hmm. choice. Uh, and so I think for me, that was, that was the I think, the big thing with Cohen. He just showed he could adjust in that. And it was only one season, but we're coming off a season where that I don't think there were uh, adjusting was an issue to personnel, to the college game to a multitude to practice times probably to multitude of things, and so I think that's a big thing going forward. And Cohen's familiar with all this personnel Kentucky has on the team. This is true. He recruited Tavian Robinson. He recruited Barry and Brown. He recruited Dan Key. You know he he uh, might maybe recruited Devin. Leary <laughs> behind the scenes, uh, so that he has his fingerprints are all over the offensive roster already even though he wasn't with the program last year.
1: Wow. Wow. Um, I am uh, – there's some random breaking news that distracted me there for a moment that's like just other drama elsewhere that's very hilarious, where a soccer dad is trying to bribe – or not bribe. He was basically trying to blackmail the U.S. soccer coach because he didn't play his kid in the World Cup. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Um, That's a funny – you won't go into that. Dig it up on ESPN. That, that's that's some wild drama. We we have plenty of wild drama elsewhere. There's a couple other storylines though uh, this off that I think are going to be a point of focus. Uh, I'm saving one for the end. But defensively, as good as they've been, do we do we think they have enough playmakers? Uh, on that side of the ball to keep this momentum going, because like it's it's really hard to do what they've done without them. Um, but like, if your offense isn't going to be good, then you need them to create some turnovers, and that's really the one part that that, that they haven't been good at under yeah. Brad White. And even you know it, when you look at like sacks, tackle for tackles for loss, like aside from the Calvin Taylor year, like they, they've been middle of the road or bottom of the pack in in those. Two categories: those havoc stats that they just haven't really been there the last couple of years for the cats. Yeah. Can they still be successful um, without the vets uh, next year? Can they have enough playmakers to
0: make some plays? Yeah. See, like going into media days last year, my big thing was I just didn't know if Kentucky had star power. I think that, I thought they had a high floor on defense, but now, like, I'm entering this year feeling like they got some like stars potentially on the defense. I mean, obviously, big number zero is number one mm-hmm. until you start yeah, with Dion Walker. If you get a fully healthy J.J. Weaver for a season, if you can get him no injuries, you can see him putting it together. You can see him putting a 10-plus tackles for lost season. You can see him getting seven, eight, nine sacks. You can see him being a playmaker for you. you know, Trevon Wallace has got areas he's got to improve. Uh, I think notably playing in the box against the run is an area he needs to get better at, but he has playmaking potential, and we've seen it. Two, two interceptions this year, mm-hmm. Nick, uh, you know, we've seen him flash and make plays like that's a guy you can see turning into just a star if the light comes on for him. And then even the secondary, I think like Jordan Lovett, it's got, you know, he's flashed.
1: So is Childress.
0: Yeah. Uh, but Love it more like Lovett's a younger guy. So I don't know if it's going to come next year, but you can see, like I could picture him turning into an all sec player here at Kentucky um, back there at free safety. Like he, for a young player, he was, and he, they kind of had to throw him in after the Geiger injury. He played really well. And then, you know, then Childress, they lost Asian for a little bit, and Childress kept in, and they didn't miss like a beat with Childress mm-hmm. and love it back there. Um, so that was really good to see. But really, those first three I name: well, Deion Walker, Weaver, Trevor Wallace, those guys, you could see if it all came to you, could see any of those make it the first team, all SEC. Uh, in December next year, if they if stuff if feasible stuff comes together for them,
1: and you didn't mention too the guy who's probably the biggest game record that missed a season. Like I don't, what are they going to do with Vito Tisdale? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I know think what's going to happen.
0: We're going to get into this, but I do think like there's a lot of talk about we need another uh, need another edge in the portal. Need another edge uh, because all year Kentucky played. With Weaver and Wright on the field, but I, I think it's important. Like they just signed Keaton Wade and Tyrese Fearbury, both top two hundred recruits in the last recruiting class. Like you got to get your return on investment on that, right? Like one of those those guys need to play. They're gonna want to play. They need to get on the field. But also Nick, they got nine safeties on this roster, in including Taj Dotson. But six of these dudes, I think, need to play next year. Jalen Geiger, Zion Childress, Vito Tisdale, Jordan Lovett, Alex Safari, Kobe Albert. How do you get them on the field? You play with an extra safety. So I could see them getting back to what they did in kind of 2021, Mm -hmm. where they had like a hybrid Sam-Nickel player, um, and Devontae Robinson played in base, and they brought in a nickel on passing situations. I could see that playing out. Like, I could see Alex Safari being like your starting Sam outside linebacker. He made a nice play in the Music City Bowl. Yeah, and so – I think that's just the defense is gonna look a little different. And you gotta just picture who they're playing. Permanent permanent opponents, right? You do have to get be able to get big and body body blow Georgia. But Louisville's gonna throw the ball all over the yard now. Right? You gotta deal with that monster at Tennessee. Yeah. Mississippi State's probably not going away from the air aid. Probably not. So you're still gonna have to have guys that can cover there and you got a lot of safeties that, that, that they can all play and they need to be on the field. So that's what I think you're going to see more of kind of like the, that three, three, five, four, two, five, whatever hybrid defense uh, next year. Yeah. I mean,
1: and you didn't even mention that Dal Loggins, high powered. Yeah. yeah. We're
0: still waiting on Rattler's announcement. He's yeah, been a little weird when him. they keep asking him about that. Yeah. Real bizarre. I haven't heard from him, man. It was a
1: real shame they lost. I know you were just heartbroken.
0: <laughs> three defensive touch- – three defense special teams touchdowns. and couldn't get Oh, to that it. was
1: brutal. I, I loved the under in that game, and that thing was toast in the second quarter. I
0: mean, yeah. Jiminy Christ. Play some they defense. could not stop Notre Dame. Irish was marching up and down the field. That
1: offense is so bad, too.
0: Like,
1: I, I, I didn't understand it. Um, yeah, Notre also- Dame finally
0: got their quarterback back for that game. That Buckner who started the first game and then got injured. Did you, by the way, see the troll
1: job? That I, I'm curious who it was that South Carolina did it, but they flew a plane over, over the, the Orange, Orange Bowl. Yeah. yeah, and it was a plane that had like the writing on the tail end and said "Enjoy your bowl game." And it was to Clemson and Tennessee, who they both beat at the end of the year. Which I doubt that South Carolina actually had something to do with it, but I'm sure there was a money man that that did. Right? Yeah, I would yeah. say so. What a, what a jewel! What a gem! Um, the other off season storyline that I've got lucky that I think is pretty big that might even be bigger picture than this is Justin Rogers enters transfer portal on Tuesday, and first and foremost, it's just the perfect rock jock, shock jock, sports talk, whatever you want to first take Kentucky would lead with this because it's it's just perfect. Because
0: we should start a first take Kentucky.
1: I uh, first can take you. Um, <laughs> it'll it'll we'll just scream at each other um, until somebody says sends a bad tweet but it's it's a it's the perfect story because Justin Rogers was this highly sought after recruit five-star guy highest ranked signee ever people want to see him succeed he's at a position that doesn't produce a lot of stats so like it's hard to to really quantify how good he's been without just like You just say one way or the other, whether you think he's been good enough or not, right? Like nose guard, that's the nature of that position. And then you add in the fact that like he finally had a solid year. He's a solid starter. And you don't want to just lose your return on investment, right? Like like you talked about with some of those high recruits earlier. Like you want to see them it it like come to fruition with a big final year, and then they go off to the pros because that's the normal way things go and then you see the the list of potential suitors from Wilt Fong, and it's your georgias it's your lsu's Louisville, uh, michigan state like it's all these schools that you compete against recruits for and when nil's involved it's just going to get everybody up in arms and i love it um personally I like it it just it's it's the perfect fodder for me but i think the bigger question isn't about actually Rogers' situation specifically, which we'll get into, but big picture wise, the two highest ranked signees that Kentucky's ever signed in the history of signing go into the, the portal this offseason. Like you had these very dramatic recruitments go down to the wire, and yeah, you haven't, like, you got absolutely nothing out of Goodwin. Who knows what, what he's going we've heard nothing out of that uh, saga, so like he, who knows what's going on there, and then Rogers. You got like maybe a year and a half out of them where you got something out of it. But like, it is can Kentucky recruit those guys and can they be successful? I know Brown, on Brown is in that same kind of territory. And he had a couple great games this year, but they did a lot of force feeding with him and he didn't produce. So I, I do think that there is a, man, some of Kentucky's best players aren't their best
0: recruits. Yeah. The only thing I will say with Barion, like, he did have that Georgia game. <laughs>
1: like Yeah. Yeah. No, know you that. know, like we, we can games.
0: we can talk about Barry and is he tried to do too much, but like put on the Georgia tape. Like, <laughs> like let's not like overthink this. I know yeah, there's some yeah. talk going on about like don't let's not overthink this. Like just put you on could. the Georgia tape. Put, put on the Georgia tape It just everybody chill out. But yeah, I think Right, you you hit the nail on the head here. Like Rogers and Keontae were both like these major recruitments, top one hundred prospects. Kentucky's not used to being in these type of recruitments, and they were long and drawn out. Where burying happened, Nick, it would just happen kind of fast in the season. Yeah, yeah. right. You, you got on the right. Ra- oh, oh, oh. Kentucky gets on the radar. You're thinking, okay, oh, we're on the radar, cool. And then it's like, oh, he's visiting. Wow, he's visiting. He's you know, there's he's not going to Alabama. He's visiting Kentucky, Kentucky TCU, and you get him on campus, and then it, you know he's about to commit. He's about to commit, and he commits, and it just kind of it was different. With, and then it, Rogers
1: and Goodwin, they commit in the spring, and then we have a whole nine months right. of recruiting sites writing articles about where they could foot to.
0: Right, right, and so they were just in the the cycle, the new cycle more mm-hmm. than than Barry and Brown was, just because of that does build that, that early commitment. Um, like they Justin Rodgers was what he was too as a recruit because of offensive line potential, and Kentucky recruited him as a D-lineman, let him play D-line. Uh, Justin Rodgers was a quality, good player here at Kentucky. I mean, he start, like he started fifth, started thirteen games this year, and he started two, three, four games last year when Marquand McCall was out with injury. Right. So like you're looking at 16, 17 game starter in the SEC. You know, I don't think I ever watched Rogers out there and thought, you know, you know he didn't belong. And so, a solid lineman with ex- game experience goes into the portal—that's like gold, right? Everybody's looking for quality linemen. I'm not surprised that these big schools are looking at him because uh, everybody needs depth and size and players on the line of scrimmage, especially those programs that have new coaches, New-ish coaches, and they're trying to stack their roster uh, with. You know all the departures they might have had from the previous regime, Um, so that does not surprise me. To me, it's probably it's probably the biggest loss for in the portal era outside of since Jeff Bedet in the transfer era. Mm -hmm. Like you're losing a starter and a good player, a guy who can play. But with that said, like it's not it's not irreplaceable. And
1: and I think there's also something too lucky that needs to be said that like this is just going to
0: happen. Like if you it, had if you had to rank players of can't lose Yeah, I mean he's is he in the top twenty?
1: He's probably in the top twenty, but it's like at the bottom of it. Yeah. You know, he's he's I, I wouldn't put him in like top ten. Um and and the thing for me too, like it, is this sort of stuff, like I, I'm trying to think of it on a professional level and the kind of how we weigh it out in the professional level. How many times does uh, Joe wide receiver say, I, I, you know what? I'm not making as much. I want to go. I want to go be a free agent, try to make more money. And you know what? The teams like the fans are like, okay, see ya. The problem is there's no transparency here. Like we don't know what the salary cap situation is. And to me, a lot of this looks like Justin Rogers was a Morgan and Morgan billboard as a true freshman or maybe even it's a true something before he even really played really right like he was right. a very billable bankable star he's been fine but he's been usurped by another billable bankable star on that defensive line and now he's no longer the the bell of the ball and he thinks he's worth bell of the ball money and you know what if you want to go explore it like you you, you go ahead like that's that's how I'm, – I'm, I'm seeing this very much as, like, we're in the free agency era. Like, people are going – you can't re-sign everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. I, you always need more money, but you can't re-sign everybody. That's how this works. The, the thing that I do, like, have a little bit of sympathy for Mark Stoops and everybody out there that's, that's doing all this stuff. I do wonder, though, like, down the road – you, you shouldn't. It shouldn't be everybody's on one-year deals. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't be renegotiating yeah, I I, everybody's deal year by year, or else they can go in the portal and go somewhere else. Yeah. That that that's just that that's the messed up part. For
0: me. Nick, we got a little bit of breaking news here. We got to talk about. Okay, oh, I'll, I'll read it to you. Um, this is from Chris Lowe, ESPN. Jimbo Fisher is finalizing a deal to hire Bobby Petrino as Texas A&M's offensive coordinator, and Petrino will take over play-calling duties. Sources still oh, ESPN. My- he did it. <laughs> he did it. I cannot wait, man. I oh can't wait God. for that. That is going to be.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Man, he's going to get grilled about that at media days. I cannot oh my wait for that. Gosh. Oh, man. Poor Barry oh Odom. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You want to talk about a quick fail-up, too. Well, like, they have – like their head coach Jumbo Fisher Fisher's – we don't have to talk about Bobby Petrino, we all know. And then DJ Durkin's the defense coordinator. And he, of course, was the head coach at Maryland when yeah. Jordan Mayer died. And there's a lot of, he probably player didn't abuse. do what he was still, yeah, player abuse yeah. stuff. So yeah, that is, um, and then Steve Adazio the offensive line coach there. Uh, that's at a least dude. That's right now, you know, and he's got, you know, the, the Colorado State, that was a thing, like the player treatment stuff. There is a, wow, man. <laughs> oh
1: man wow that was great timing thanks for doing this in the middle of the podcast Jimbo um because the, all right here, here's my thing like it so a lot of people say you need to modernize your offense you need to modernize the offense Does Bobby Petrino have a modern offense like he's a better play caller than Jimbo but yeah,
0: I get I get what you're saying. You know what I mean though? Like yeah, Petrino's best years. He did uh he did like, um he did change some stuff with Lamar, I will say that. Like they were doing some but that was also stuff. 2017. That was yeah, six years ago.
1: Um yeah, yeah, he and, you got a point there. And he's gonna this is definitely – the one thing that Jimbo at least knows is like two or three years max is Petrino's life. Like so like if he can just give you the bump to get you back on track, then you're fine. But I also am fascinated. Bobby Petrino, this is his first time answering to anybody since he was at Auburn back in what, 2004? That's 20 years. He hasn't been an offense. He's been a head coach ever since then. Yeah. So, like, having them screaming at each other on the sidelines, oh my, he, he's got to be a booth guy, though, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, just just like, to save
0: everybody, he probably oh, just needs oh, to go to the booth.
1: He, he's going to be up in the booth. He's going to call something down, and Jimbo's going to change it, and Petrino's going to be ra.
0: Oh my gosh, this is uh, Yeah. It could either like this could either go great or could blow up. <laughs> wow. Oh
1: man. Whew. Okay. So th- th- this is fun. This is fun. But back to Justin Rogers. Um, I know one thing he said it's not all no related. Um, uh, that's at least what he tweeted. Which, you know, it may not be. And I could see also him saying, like, all right, no's because I, I get the sense like it that five-star recruit thinks he's going to spend three years in college and go to the NFL. He he needs another year of college to go to, before he can go to the NFL. Yeah. Maybe he's thinking, all right, I need to play three technique. I can't be a nose guard. Yeah. Uh, and I need to go somewhere else to do that. Like I need to be a, in a fourth, four down front. Like I need to, I need to do something different. And, it, and in that case, like, so, you know, like, be it. best of luck. Um, I did think like, he wasn't a bum, but he wasn't a great player. He was a fine player who really flashed this year for the first time. Like
0: Yeah, and but one thing I'll say with that is like we saw what happened with Kentucky's offensive line this year. Um having qual- like being having quality offensive and defensive linemen is not just something to brush over. That's true. That's a good point. You, you need those guys, even if they're not, you know, superstars, just being quality and being able to hold up is you know what people need. Everybody's like I just said. Everybody's looking for these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody in college football. Um, those big guys are hard to find good ones, or quality ones. And Justin Rogers is a quality college football defensive lineman. And so,
1: I, and I would think that ideally you aren't sliding Dion down there because you he you, you don't want him just eating. Yeah, you want him to eat in blocks. You want him to make
0: plays. Yeah, you want it. I, to me, I think Dion Walker. One, they're going to move him around. I think they did that this year. I think it's only going to magnify next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to make it so it's not easy to double team him. It's more—it's very easy just to, you know, most blocking schemes. You're you're putting—if you got a nose man, he's getting
1: doubled he's, every time.
0: Yeah, at least getting chipped or something. And so it's easier to block double. I would say a guy there, it, and it's in the middle where Dion can, I think, cause some more havoc at another positions around the defensive line. I like think looking at Kentucky, like. Nick, if you'd have told me last year that Rogers, after the year, was leaving the was leaving for the portal, uh, but I would have thought they probably would, could have been fine because you know you still got Josiah Hayes there, yeah. So you could probably absorb that. But he just totally fell out of the rotation at the end of the year. He missed two games this year randomly, the Ole Miss game and the Vanderbilt game. So I don't really know what's going on with him. Seemed like he was maybe in the proverbial doghouse. Jamarius Dinkins, I think, flashed Nick, but he's still gotta add some he's, weight.
1: Yeah. And and that's that's why it would have actually timed out perfectly if Rogers took around for another year because it's usually three year, two two and a half years or so before you kind of elevate. Yeah. He's on year two. And uh he, was and it it, him or, it was Saunders who got injured, not Dinkins.
0: But yeah. It's, Saunders, yeah. Yeah. And then but, it, it stings that you missed out on Jacob Lacey even more now. Yeah, because that he's a plug and play. That's it. Then you, that's your starter right there. Yeah, you're fine.
1: So uh, that I'm also wondering too if there is a, if there is a path forward for Rogers to return or not. It doesn't seem like it, but
0: you know, if he's already got these visits scheduled then and uh, this sense. many this many teams are showing interest, I think it's a dead deal. Yeah. I think the way for this to maybe have worked for him was not for him not to get the interest, but he's getting the interest. Mm -hmm. And I think you probably hit it. He probably doesn't want to be a zero technique anymore. So he wants to maybe go somewhere where he doesn't have to play zero technique. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's where it's at. And then maybe, you know, he wants to get financially compensated too. Mm -hmm. So that's probably part of the, the package for whoever gets him. But, think it was clear that he probably didn't want to play nose anymore. And he probably originally planned to only be at Kentucky for three years anyway. So he's probably thinking, you know, this was the plan originally. I'm just going to go somewhere mm-hmm. and try to look somewhere else for a year and see how it goes.
1: Yep. Um, best of luck to him. Um, we're, we're in a whole new world uh, now, as we've said plenty of times before. Um, but it is uh, it is just different. It's it's It's, it's different right now. And um, I th- I think to my my other point though is I I hope that like, you're going to have these when you talk about you kind of list them out right your 15, 20 guys or whatever I just hope that you don't have to re the and and, and re- redo your your nil deals every single year and like because that, that that just that feels unsustainable for yeah. Kentucky compared to the big guys um, because, like, a, there is just a, eventually a point where the haves just gobble up the have-nots. And, yeah, no offense to Kentucky fans, but we aren't, we aren't exactly a have in college football.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, this is all – we're all trying to figure out, like, what the market rate is, what, you know, this and that. Yeah, but yeah, you having to re recruit players and sign new deals and get them more money every offseason is going to be tough, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, you got to recruit high schoolers. And so that, that makes things difficult and hairy a little bit. You just got to, hey, we really have to have your ducks in a row financially, too. And you got to have your collectives in place. And it sounds like Kentucky has theirs now. And it's the wheels are in motion and that thing is doing its job. And so you got to hope they keep headed down the right path, but first things first, you got to win games. You know, we could talk about this collective and all of that, but you got to win on Saturdays. It's you need That needs to be your problem, right? Like you, good players want to play there. You know, you're trying to keep them. That needs to stay a problem. If, that, if that's staying a problem, good things are happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. Um, Luck like it. What else do we want to discuss on this edition of 11 personnel um, besides shouting out our friends at justice dental shout out justice dental.
0: Shout out, Thanks. JD. Any yeah. uh, national title picks, Nick?
1: Dude, how great was that uh, Tulane game? That was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. USC. Oh, I, Michael not, Pratt
0: is staying at Tulane. Didn't need man, him in the SEC.
1: No, did not need him in the SEC. But, like, USC, they are just Lincoln. I, I, no, I, no, I should say this. Lincoln Raleigh is just the most Lincoln Raleigh that's ever Lincoln rallied. Like, I can Remember when Alex Grinch, we thought he was going to be, like, a head coaching commodity? Yeah. That guy, dude,
0: he couldn't stop a runny nose. Yeah, now you're, now you're wondering, is it something with Riley and his organization and his system? Is that the reason why they aren't good on defense? But I do think it's safe to say, like, they rebuilt that whole team with transfers. And it's just hard. Defensive. It's harder defensively to do that than it is well, especially
1: offense. because it's it's assignment based, it's alignment based. Like, it's one thing to drop a bunch of plays; it's another thing to have everybody working and playing yeah. and being interconnected with one another.
0: Yeah, not no, not being super familiar with USC's personnel and only seeing them play a couple times this year. Seems like talent and just having bodies on the defensive line is an issue, like we just talked about. They don't have quality linemen, and so if mm-hmm. you don't have that, it's hard to play defense. And you got to get that through recruiting, and so they haven't been there long enough to really do that, you know. And a lot of their best players on defense were transfers, and so they got to kind of rebuild that through recruiting. So I think it was probably expected for them to be bad on defense. Um, they just ended up being in some bigger games than I think they thought they were going to be in. Right, like the Pac-12 Championship, Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. They ended up being like that was they overachieved. I thought this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's also because Caleb Williams is just amazing. Yeah, uh, Riley. So he's such a
0: good play caller that they just are able to outscore teams.
1: Um, Speaking of play callers, Darren Henshaw back in the saddle. Yeah. With the Gus Bus. He's not a good job for him.
0: Yeah, Gus calls plays. Yeah, Henshaw has been like the number two everywhere he's been at Kentucky. Obviously, Cincinnati Uh before that. Yep. This year, he went to UAB as an analyst. Bill Clark resigns. They promote offensive coordinator Brian Vincent. I believe Vincent still called plays this year. So, Henshaw was the the number two there, and he's going to be Gus's number two. So, he's always been that. Like, I don't know if he's ever called plays in his career. Yeah. But you know
1: what? He gets to go back. Like, he's at his alma mater. He's the
0: Big 12 offensive coordinator, man. That's it's yeah. good for him, but where his career was after you know Kentucky fired him, you had to wonder if he was ever going to get back to a position similar. And now he is in that one just a few years later. So that's a good, was, good little career break for him or opportunity, I should say. Yeah, and because I mean he even did it, had to do a QC stint there, right? Yeah, I mean, he was an analyst at UCF. He left after one year was an analyst at UAB, and then and then
1: now he gets to be
0: offensive. Now coordinator. he's an office good. coordinator for a Big Twelve team. Like good that's for a you, Henshaw. Good pretty good career opportunity for him. Not
1: too shabby. Um, a couple other quick hitters um oh yeah, my wife just knew that Ohio State was gonna blow that. She was like the whole entire game knew she was gonna just was like there's no way they're gonna they're gonna blow this and me just whooped from uh the bowl game and everything driving back and I, I wasn't feeling great so I was all drugged up and I was like trying not to doze off that guy getting open for the 76yard touchdown. I like that that's that'll keep you awake. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they did that. But I just did not see that coming from CJ Stroud. I still had, had bet them to win it all, which Ohio State would be the favorite. Or no, they probably wouldn't be favored over TCU, would they?
0: Yeah, they would. They would have been favored over Michigan, I think.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. What but that man, for Stroud to play that well for them to lose that game, it just
0: Yeah, I mean they just it kind of caught some bad luck with Stover and Harrison going out. Yeah. That's they have team. Harrison on that last possession. They probably get into much more makeable field goal range. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm with you on that.
1: But says Georgia, like, I.
0: Feels like to me, like the 2014 National Championship. That's Chumba casino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, with Oregon. Oregon just kind of overwhelmed. Um, they overwhelmed. Trying to, Florida State and Jameis. Oh, when he had the, the. Rose Bowl. Backwards. Rose Bowl you fumble. Know, yeah. Everyone is talking about how we're going to have our first new national champion in a long time. And they came out and they ran like more of like a hybrid defense. And they just came out. And Ohio State just. Ran for like three hundred yards, and the game was never even close. I I, I kind of think it's going to play out like that with Georgia. I do
1: just worry about betting against the the Horned Frogs though because they <laughs> the just
0: keep, they they
1: really have. It's remarkable how they find ways in the like yeah, yeah the, they've done it all year. The seventy six yard touchdown that uh, Johnson had, you know, like just like right when you Michigan gets it cuts it within three, you think the TCU is going to fold, and then boom. So uh, you got to. Yeah, it's it's so crazy that it was Mark Stoops or Sonny Dykes was really like Dykes mm-hmm. was the most memorable second that coaching served, and Sonny wasn't really great. He he got hired by Cal, got ended up getting fired there after not doing much, and then hangs around at SMU for a couple of years before finally getting this job. And just, uh, it's crazy that he's coaching a national championship game.
0: Yeah, I mean Cal fired him not too long ago. <laughs> Yeah, like four years ago, it's crazy. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was—it's a crazy story. I mean, good for them. And now mm-hmm. you look at TCU in the 12-team format; they're—they're they're situated to be in a really good spot. Because mm-hmm. if the you know the Big 12 stays conference conference champs getting in every year, you know if you can win that, you're getting there. So I think TCU, man, you've got to be feeling really good. And to do this without Patterson, I think, is a big deal for them too. Because Patterson was TCU football, yeah, in a lot of ways. And oh, then, I mean, he was there for like twenty years, you know. And so, for them to do it with Dykes here, I think it's a pretty big deal. And, that's and then I feel for I with... feel for SMU. Oh God, yeah, because they are yeah. rivals. They are heated rivals in the same in the both in the Metroplex. Dallas, Fort Worth, yeah. SMU because they got in trouble has just been blackballed by all these Texas schools. Like they weren't, they couldn't ever, they couldn't get in the big. 12. They didn't put them in the Big Twelve because they were going through all their crap. Um, they still couldn't get in the new Big Twelve. They wouldn't let them in. I don't think it was like they were. They didn't really even consider them. And SMU was a team that's had like national championship success before. SMU is a the team they see themselves on the same kind of level as TCU. Now they're seeing TCU go to national championship. I think that's that has to be pretty tough on them. And then they're still stuck in the American.
1: I mean, and for TCU to rise up through, like, I mean, they were a huge Conference USA rival with
0: Louisville. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like them and TCU were in the same boat then, right? Like, yeah. TCU, after the Big Eight, or not the Big Eight, excuse me. Southwest, Southwest. Conference fell apart. Yeah. And now they're seeing TCU like TCU gets a Big Twelve bid. TCU is makes the playoff It's the first Texas team to make the playoff. TCU's playing for a national championship on Monday. That's got to <laughs> be crazy. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, like like I mentioned, TCU's in this great position to maybe go on a run here and really kind of assert itself as maybe a power, a future powerhouse program in college football just because they got into the Big 12, you know, 12 years ago. And then SMU still couldn't get into it again when they reshuffled. It's got to be tough. I mean, they're both private schools in greater Dallas. There's not that much difference between both of them. Both of them got a lot of freaking money. Mm-hmm. That that's gotta that's tough.
1: Yeah, whew, You can talk about some big brother little brother syndrome. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of moving around, though, uh, there are players moving in this week. Early enrollees are getting there, and we actually have uh, the the open recruiting period for the transfer portal resumes this weekend. So, um, yeah,
0: the, the transfer the windows it's open until January eighteenth, for players can enter the transfer portal.
1: So we have a couple more weeks where players can jump in. Um, And who knows, maybe Kentucky tries to add another two, one or two. We haven't heard anything like that. Um, If there was a position to add, where would it be?
0: Yeah, I wrote about this today on KSR. I think backup quarterback still. Something they really need to consider addressing. Offensive tackle. Right tackle, obviously. Yeah. I think – another guy that can play nose. Mm-hmm. Plays Rogers to give you another body there. And then, like, no one's talking about kicker, Nick. What are they doing to kicker?
1: I don't know. They got a bunch of them. Who's going to kick it, though?
0: Like, is Chance Poor coming back? Is he just going to be the kickoff specialist again? What's, like, we haven't heard a peep out of Jackson Smith, really, since he no. arrived. What's no. his kind of status? Jay Boulware, is your new special teams coach. Are they going to get a kicker?
1: They got that kid from Trinity too, right? Isn't he a kicker? Not yeah, sure. they got a kid. They got a kid from Trinity. Or no, he actually he's a punter. I'm okay, sorry. but yeah, I, I know one thing though. Stoops is pretty confident in Jay Bulwer. So yeah. figure it out. So Boulware. that's
0: that's that to me like that's an important position. Like yeah, what are they doing yeah. a kicker? Uh, I'll take Ruffle's Troy's, been the Ruffle has been the. Sumrall's. Yeah, Ruffalo has been the primary kicker here since 2020, I think.
1: Yes. He's been a long time. Yeah. Finished his career uh, fifth in school history in points. So, good fellow, third all time and uh, per, 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 yards per punt. So, yeah, I, I've definitely been diving into the numbers for the season long stats. Not as fun to do after a seven and six season as it is a nine and three season. But Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, especially when the. Punks.
0: I mean, Nick 20, 20, I think it was twenty point four points per game. Kentucky ended up with that was the so lowest total since twenty twelve. We know G- how bad the twenty twelve. Se- yeah, that, that was the lowest. Joker or- Phillips was- gets fired season. Vanderbilt forty to nothing season. God bless. And yet, and you know
1: what though, it was good enough because the defense only gave up nineteen point two points per game. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: It was just Kentucky was Iowa. God. This year. And it, and it didn't have to and be You that never way. want to be Iowa. Didn't have
1: to be that in way. This way.
0: All defense, no offense.
1: Can I also just say too that it um I know we bust Ryan's chops a lot about how much he talks about Dane Key, but dude, Dane, when he was on, he was really freaking on this year. Dane was good. I mean, he was so good for I he think He was so pressing. solid, so good. Like, because normally they struggle with physicality, and that dude just no problem. Yeah, no problem. The only problem was just getting it to him enough, which, you know, that that's going to be another off season. Keep
0: topic. Leary healthy. Hopefully that's not an issue. Twenty twenty
1: three. Yep, Keep Devin Leary healthy. Keep him slinging it around. We got plenty of time to talk about 2023, but we've at least set the table here on 11 personnel Adam a market. Have yourself a great day. We got uh, uh, put the final week, the NFL regular season. So, uh, and a then National prayers, game. Demar Hamlin.
0: Yeah, man, scary oh. stuff Monday.
1: Very scary, very scary. So. Some of the
0: preliminary reports seem promising, so hopefully that keeps trending in the right.
1: Yeah, keep keep trending in the right direction, Damar. You got this. Also, he was people are not talking about it. He was kicking all kinds of ass, like just like they're, they they want to talk about him as the
0: person. The player was awesome too. He's, he's getting ninety one tackles this year
1: as a yeah. six round draft pick.
0: Yeah, he's a good player, man. Just so. the routine tackle too. I just can't. That's the hardest part. Yeah, so routine. It. Whew. Just routine, like physical tackle.
1: We love it, man, but it's a, uh, it's scary. And Monday yeah. night, I, I I don't know about you, but we I, we were all glued to our TVs, I was hoping and praying he was pulling through. So yeah, it was
0: very much shell shock for me. Just obviously, I was pretty pumped for that game, and just like. And the, the environment was awesome on TV. And then it was just like, you know, you're waiting for, like, he falls down. And it's just like, you think, well, that was just an injury. Like, yeah, they go to break. He, you think they come back and then he's like, he's waving. like, and then he or he's either that or he's got up, he's in the injury tent or like, yeah. it just never, it never, it just that, it never happened. You're just like, oh, like, this is really bad. And then you start putting, putting it all together. It was just, yeah, crazy. Crazy scary.
1: Yep. And uh, as somebody said, the NFL doesn't have a handbook for this, um, especially when the stakes were as high as they were in that game. Um, As far as playoff seating and all that, so who knows what they'll figure out.
0: Yeah, they're going to have to make a decision here soon. I would
1: imagine they just counted it as like a tie,
0: right? I think they're going to – there's been a theory flowed out like they're going to no contest it, and then they might do like a – like some type of random number generator to between the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals about who would get the top three seeds. Because they, they, they would,
1: would they be tied with winning percentage without that game?
0: Well, the thing is, like if the Bills would have won out, they would have got the number one seed, right? Because they would have had, they would have had the same record as the but, Chiefs if the but Chiefs wins went. over both of them. But yeah, yeah, and they would have had a head to head win over the Chiefs. Like they would have had the same record as the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And they had to head-to-end win. Now, if the Bengals would have won, the Bengals old tiebreakers over the Chiefs and Bills for head-to-head. Head. Um, but they would likely got the number two seed because the Chiefs were presumably going to beat the Raiders on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of messes with everything. And then you throw in the fact that the Bengals haven't locked up the North yet. Like, they still That's crazy. got to win a game. Like, the Ravens are only – they were a game behind – or half a game behind going in. And so they would have they would either been tied or – and the Bengals lost to the Ravens already. So, like, there's a lot – like, there's a lot of things I think they got to kind of figure out.
1: Well, and, and also, this is only, what, the second year without two buys? Or the third? But it's – it's it, that, that buy is much more important when there's only one of them, you know?
0: Yeah, I think uh, – I don't know if that's the case or I think – It's a pretty recent development, though. They what's really stings here is it happened so late, right? Like if this was week five, they could have figured out a way to play this game.
1: Yeah, but it's week seventeen.
0: But it's week seventeen, and there's all this at stake, and they don't want to. They don't want to change the playoff schedule. That playoff schedule is locked in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They want to keep it there. They want to have the bye before the Super Bowl, so they can ramp that thing up and yep. pump it up for the Super Bowl. You know, it just gets to, I just don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be very interesting um, because it just it depends on how they do it. Because then, if you get into all the weird tiebreaker, it just could get wonky. Like, I think yeah. it could be in some scenarios where the Chiefs could end up getting the three seed um, because of all this. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah,
1: it really is. It really is. But as we said, the most importantly, Damar, get back on your feet. We're, we're all thinking about you. Um, man, what a, Surreal experience that was, mm-hmm. um, especially after such a big football day. You know, where you had some of the early bowl games, we had such a great moment. Mississippi State winning for Mike Leach, so yeah, uh, that was that was that was amazing too. And to cover the way they did, oh, what a cover! What a cover! Um, which, I, lucky, did you do all right bowl season?
0: <laughs> yeah, I will. See. All right, just one word to put. I lost, right. I think, like three or four money line bets by a point. Literally yeah. a point.
1: I mean that, and that's just
0: whew, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. And then like the North Carolina, Ohio State, but well, they were one the entire game until the yeah. end, but literally both of them. I, that is just that is. Ah, that's why, that's they why play you don't bet money lines. You take the, you get points. You take the points.
1: Just take the points. Just take the points. Well, we hope you all uh, enjoy the football this weekend. Our days of watching the football are numbered, uh, but we appreciate you all following along with us, uh, tuning in on YouTube and listening to Eleven Personnel all year long. For Adam Luggett. I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and go Kroger.